Um, it actually made the college students sound quiet after I was, had a house full of 10-year-olds, so it was good. Hey, today we are finishing up our series uh, on Sermon on the Mount, and I looked back at the calendar just to see when we started this series, and you probably don't remember this. We started in April. We started the series back in April, and we're finishing it up today. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's fun that we've been walking through this, and I've really enjoyed this series. I hope you have as well. Um, but it's just been an opportunity for us to go a little deeper into Scripture. And if you'll remember last week, we talked about uh, what does it mean to bear fruit, that that's really what, what Jesus is calling us to, is to be fruitful and to bear good fruit. And really today, it's a continuation of that, because when we break this up into bite-sized portions, it really was one continuous string of thoughts that Jesus had. It wasn't like, oh, I've got this thought, and I've also got this thought. And so you have to look at this scripture in context. So what we're going to look at today really does fit with what he was already talking about. And so we're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. And this is Jesus preaching again. This is his words, and this is what he says in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Verse 28 goes on to say, and when Jesus finished these sayings, the, crowd were, were, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Now listen to this. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the other scribes. So they were used to hearing the word a certain way, and they said, Jesus does it differently than the scribes I've heard before. And the reason he did it differently was culturally, a lot of scribes at that time would reference other scribes. And they, would, they would just teach what other scribes had taught. They would teach what they had heard. But what this is saying is that Jesus heard from God. He had an authority that the people recognized, that he heard from the Lord and spoke truth. And people recognize there's something about this that's life-giving. It's different than what I've heard before. And I love that. Let me go back up to verse 24. It says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now, I love this. And you might have heard this passage before. In fact, you have heard it before. You heard it earlier when Pastor Dick read it. Um, but you might have heard this before. But basically what it's saying is that if you hear these words and you do them, you're like the wise man. The wise man builds his house on the rock. And what it's saying is there's a firm foundation for his home. Um, and there's a reason that wise people build their house on the rock. Because they know that it's not going to fall. It's not going to be, uh, have structural imperfections or problems because of the foundation. So Jesus says to them, you got to hear these words and do them, and you're going to be the wise person that builds their house on the rock. And then he kind of contrasts that with the other statement. And he says, and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And it doesn't just fall, but he goes on to, to emphasize it. And he says, and great was the fall. He, he's saying that the damage was spectacular. Have you ever watched on the internet, maybe YouTube or something like that, you see when they demo a big building or maybe a sports dome or a stadium, and it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch it collapse and the smoke and the dust, and it's, it's interesting to see something that big fall. But this is the mental image that you have to have that Jesus is trying to paint for us, that when we build our house on the sand, 
we're going to have problems, and it's not just going to be little problems. It, the damage will be spectacular. It, it's going to be beyond what you could even imagine. And, and what we're talking about here is wise person versus the foolish person. How do they live their lives? What do they do differently? And as I was looking through this message and, and studying and, and praying this week, there were a couple of things that kind of stood out to me. Let me share a few of those things. Number one, the, the wise people consider the future. The fool lives for the moment. We see this throughout Jesus' message on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. In verse 20 of chapter 6, he says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He says, you people are living your lives for the moment. You're living to accumulate and get and, and get everything you can and just build a bigger house, a nicer house, and you're living for this moment. But he said, you need to look to the future. You need to have a bigger perspective than the here and now because sometimes things change. In, in, at the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus was sharing this, the sand around the Sea of Galilee in the summer would get hot and dry, and it was hard as concrete. And so someone could go in there and build their house on that thinking it was just fine. But the wise person would go in and say, you know what, I know the conditions are going to change. The conditions won't stay the way they are now, so I can't build my house based on current conditions. I have to think about the future, I have to consider the future and know that things are going to change. And see what the wise person does, is they build their house on the things that do not change. The thing that doesn't change is the rock, right? And so what they would do is they would dig down feet into the ground through that sand until they got to bedrock, and that's where they would place their house. They would build it on the foundation. See, fools do stupid things. Can I say stupid from the stage? Is that okay? Idiotic, moronic, imbecilic. I think I just made that word up. But fools will do things in the moment because it feels right, because they feel like it. Fools will say things and do things, and then later on, they'll feel terrible about it. But what they were doing was they were doing things because it seemed right in the moment. It felt right. They, they were looking at the current conditions. Well, you made me mad. And in the current conditions, I'm going to say this to you. And then later on, they go, oh, well, you know, maybe that didn't make sense after all. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. I'm really sorry. Will you, will you forgive me? Well, yeah, it would have been easier for you not to have said it for me to forgive you, but yes, I will forgive you, right? So, so we, we will say things and do things foolishly in the moment without thinking about it, without thinking about the long term, without thinking about the, the consequences, without considering the future. I read this verse to one of my staff this week, and I think it, it's, <laughs> they actually said it was going to be the come their life verse. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 6, and it says this. It says, a fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating, some of you are like, I'm getting that tattooed on my arm, right? Somebody's going to say something to you, stupid to you at work. You're going to roll up your sleeve and go, right here, buddy. Just read that. You know, you've got what's coming. Now I've got to beat you up. I'm sorry. A fool's lip walked in, walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating. You know what this is saying? This is saying when you say stupid things, <laughs> you deserve what you get. That's kind of what it's saying. Some, some people don't understand why they can't make friends. Why their spouse and they are always fighting. Why their boss seems to hate them. And let me tell you, maybe it's because you're a fool. Maybe it's because you say things without thinking about them. Maybe it's because you do things without thinking about them. You're not concerned about the future. You're not concerned about how, how conditions may change. But you know right then you feel like saying or doing something. And as a result, 
It burns bridges. It invites fights and beatings. And you wonder why you don't have the kind of friends you want. It's because you say stupid things. And you do stupid things. Don't be a fool. Be the wise person. A wise person considers the future. A wise person thinks about the consequences. A wise person thinks about what they do before they do it. Second thing is, wise people consider what is unseen. The fool is only concerned with the visible. See, in, in Matthew seven twenty two, just a little earlier in this message, um, Jesus was talking about end times, and he said on the day of judgment, he said that there are going to be people that come before him and say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we uh, cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do mighty works in your name? And Jesus is going to say, maybe, but I didn't ever know you. So depart from me. And actually says, depart from me, you worker of lawlessness. I never knew you. What's he saying? He's saying, you, you might have gotten the outside right. You might have looked the part, but your heart was far from me. See, the foolish man who built his house on the sand, what he did is I'm sure he went and said, man, well, this thing's going to be great. We're going to have granite countertops. We're going to have rounded corners. We're going to crown molding in all the rooms. Everything that is visible is going to be great. Everything you see is going to be spectacular. You would drive by that house and think it's a $3 million house. But what you wouldn't recognize is that it was built on the sand. So that $3 million house is going to fall to the ground whenever the storms come. Because Foolish people are more concerned about what you see than what you can't see. They're concerned about acting the part of a Christian because that's what you see. And they can cover stuff up. They can hide their behavior. Nobody's going to know where I go on the weekend. Nobody's going to know what I do on Saturday night because on Sunday morning I'm coming to church and I got my hand raised. See, what we are concerned with many times is what can be seen. But what we need to be concerned with is what is unseen. What we need to be concerned with is what's going on in our heart. What is the condition of our heart? What is our life really like? So you can't see what's under the sand, but that's the portion of the house that matters if you want that house to be around. What we have to understand is the little things matter in our life. It's not just the big things that we can see. Um, a lot of you are familiar with the, the, the story of the Titanic. Um, and, if, and if you aren't, maybe you have unfortunately seen the movie. And if you haven't, don't bother, okay? I promise. I'll tell you how it ends. The boat sinks, okay? That's how it ends. The old lady throws the heart of the jewels into the ocean, and that's it. That's the end of the movie, okay? Uh, spoiler alert. It's been 20 years. You should have seen it by now, okay? Um, the Titanic, there was all this mystery behind how it sank, why it sank, what happened. And you know why it sank? It hit an iceberg, right? And the early theory was it hit this iceberg and it tore a 300-foot gash in the side of the ship, that this ship was opened up because of this iceberg. When they went down and they began looking at the wreckage, when they had finally had cameras and submersibles good enough to go down, they looked down and they went, wait a second, the damage wasn't nearly as bad as we thought. What really happened? And then they began bringing pieces of the ship up and having it studied, and metallurgists began looking at the pieces of the ship and what they discovered was the ship failed because of the rivets that were used to construct the ship. They were under such a tight timeline to build this ship and to get it ocean worthy and get it out in the ocean that they didn't use the right kind of rivets. They used a faulty substandard rivet to put it together. They cut corners and because of that, thousands of rivets caused the ship to go down. Well, there was a metallurgist that was interviewed in uh, 1999, and he said, a better grade of rivet would have saved the ship, and it would have saved over 1,500 people who died that night. 
The little things matter. The things you can't see matter. Because if you walked through the Titanic, they got all the things right. They had, they had the band playing. They had the, the, the ballrooms were opulent and beautiful. It was the finest ship ever created, but the rivets caused it to fail. The little things, the things you couldn't see, mattered to that ship. And it mattered to the future of the people that were aboard that ship as well. I'm here to tell you today that we have to consider the unseen and not just the seen. We have to consider what is below the surface and not just what is visible. Wise people do the right things, even when it's difficult. The fool will always take the easy way. I want to say that one more time just so you get it. Wise people do the right things even when it's difficult. The fool will always take the easy way. Jesus said in in Matthew 7, 13, just earlier again in this message, he said that the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And we don't like talking about hell in church, but this is what Jesus is talking about. He said, hey, you know what? Anybody can get to hell. It is so easy to get there. Anyone can do it. But he goes on to say the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. It is not easy to live a Christian lifestyle. It's not easy to live the life that God is calling us to leave. Because there are things that we have to set aside. There are things that we have to discipline ourselves and go, you know what, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm just not going to let that be part of my life because I choose to build my house on the rock. I choose to live differently. I, I told... Some people recently, uh, the best things I've ever done in my life were hard. (laughs) Marriage, it's not easy, it's hard. It's easier for me because of my wife. Some of you might have it harder, but uh, marriage is hard, isn't it? And the reason it's hard is because it demands self-sacrifice. It it demands, if we're going to do it right, it, it demands that I will lay myself down sacrificially for my spouse. That is not easy. It's hard. Kids, if you don't have kids, let me just tell you, they are hard. (laughs) They are not easy. I've got great kids, and they're still hard. They're still challenging. It's hard to do that. You know what? The best things you will ever do in your life are hard. They're not easy. God is calling us continually to do hard things. God doesn't call us to do easy things. Anybody can do easy things. He calls us to do the things that are difficult and challenging that other people will not do. But see, there's one thing that the fool and the wise person have in common if you look at this passage. In verse 24, it says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man. Then it goes on in verse 26 and says, and everyone who hears these words and does not do them will be like the foolish man. So what do they have in common? They both hear. They have both heard the word of God. They both received and heard what God was speaking to them. The difference is action. The difference is obedience. We talked last week about bearing fruit. And last week was not about, um, if you want to be a better, better Christian, you better start bearing fruit, you people. That's not what that's about. What it's really about is when our hearts are grafted to God, connected with God at a heart level, that the produce of that is fruit, good fruit. Not that we will ourselves to be nicer or better or better Christians, and then we become better Christians and we start bearing good fruit. But it's that as we're connected with God, we naturally will start begin producing fruit. Does that make sense? 
what we look at here is really very similar to that. When we hear the word of God and our hearts are connected with God, there's a challenge to say, God, I'm going to live like you want me to live. Because there are things we're going to have to lay down and sacrifice. But there's something in us that begins naturally to go, but God, I want that. I want what you've got for me. You know what, God? Yes, it's hard to, to live according to your word, but man, that's what I want for my life. And God helps us begin to live the life that he wants us to live. See, wisdom is simply, it's, it's the proper application of knowledge. So both the wise and the foolish person, they knew what they were supposed to do, didn't they? They both heard the word. The difference was the wise person saying, now I'm going to apply this to my life and begin to live it out. See, the foolish person just sloughs it off and goes, oh, I can't do that. It's too hard. It's too difficult. It's going to demand too much. We've got, an, uh, we've got an obesity problem in the United States. Is it because we don't know what to do? No, we do know what to do. We just don't want to do it. Do you, I know how to lose weight, okay? I joke about my weight. I know how to lose weight. You want me, you want me to tell you how? I got off soda and went to sweet tea, okay? That's a cup of sugar in a big glass of sweet tea. Didn't help that much. Now I'm not going to die of cancer. I'm going to die of diabetes, Okay. Stop drinking sweet tea. How about that, for starters? Um, how about not making a trip to the meadows every other day? That would probably help me too, right? And, and just for the record, I'm talking about the ice cream place, not the casino. <laughs> I had somebody recently say, my husband was concerned because you keep talking about the meadows. And I, yeah, and they were like, well, um, are you, are you, do you have a problem with gambling? And I was like, what? And then I had to find out, like, there's a meadows casino. And I'm not gambling. I'm just overeating ice cream, Okay. We know how to lose weight. We know how to be healthier. Work out more and eat less junk, right? The knowledge is not what's lacking. What's lacking is the application in our lives. We don't have to wonder, God, what do we need to do to please you? Come on. We know. What we're lacking is the application. I've told people before, we don't lack ability. We lack motivation. The problem with us is so many of us are happy just showing up to church and never living out a godly lifestyle, never doing what God has asked us to do, never being obedient to his plan and his will for our lives that we wonder why our lives are like they are. And the reason is, is because we're not being obedient to who he's called us to be. We're not willing to do the hard things. This is what it says in James chapter one, verse 22. Sorry, I just messed up my notes. This is what it says in James chapter 1, verse 22. Um, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Verse 23 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once, forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law and the law of liberty and perseveres, brings uh, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, <clears throat> this, is what, this is what we need to understand. James is saying to the, these people, to this church, you can't just hear the word, but you have to be a doer. If you hear the word, but you don't do anything about it, you're like a person who looks at the mirror in the morning. And, and Lord knows, I am not the best looking guy normally. But uh, in the mornings, I'm a mess. Like, my hair is messy right now, but it's intentionally messy. In the mornings, it's going everywhere. Um, I got, like, croutons in my eyes. I'm puffy. I'm just like, you know. 
if you think I'm ugly now, you should see me in the morning. So I get up and I look in the mirror in the mornings. And you got stuff and like, what is this on my face? Imagine going to the mirror and then turning away and forgetting what you just saw in the mirror. And you go about your whole day like that because you, you've forgotten what you just saw. You saw the truth of what you look like, but then you walk away from it and forget what you just saw. And this is what we do when we hear the word, but we don't do anything about it. We, the Holy Spirit reflects to us and shows us what's going on in our lives. It shows us the condition of our hearts, but then we walk away from it and we forget and we go, well, I'm good now because I've been to church today. No, you got junk on your face. You, you, you look like a mess but we don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. We forget what we look like. So we don't submit ourselves to the process of letting God refine us and hone us and make us better. And this is what happens when we hear the word, but we don't do anything. We don't apply it to our lives. But Jesus is saying to us, you can't just hear the word. You have to do it. Your life is going to end in, in a spectacular mess. If you build your house if you build your spiritual life on the sand of culture, on the sand of cultural uh, Christianity, on the sand of just attending church, because guess what? Things change. The culture around us is shifting constantly. And if we're not firmly rooted and planted on the word of God, on who he is, then we're going to fall. And it's going to be spectacular. Um, guys, you can go ahead and come on up. I want us as a church desperately to be the church of Jesus Christ. And I don't mean the best church in town, but I want us, when, when, when we see scripturally that, that Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot or wrinkle, that's who I want us to be. I want us to be the church, that we embody who Jesus meant for us to be, that we are living out daily who Jesus wants us to be as a church. But it doesn't start with me making a decision saying, here's some things we're gonna do. Here's some programs we're gonna have. Here's some, some initiatives we're gonna do. No, it starts with us as individuals in this church saying, I choose to be used by God. I choose to make the hard decisions. I choose to follow God no matter where he takes me. I choose to live a life that's hard for the Lord. I choose to plant my, root my house on the rock instead of what feels right. It starts with every one of us in this room saying, I'm a part of this solution. I'm a part of seeing my community transformed. I'm a part of seeing my neighborhood, my workplace transformed. It's every one of us saying, God, use me. This whole, <laughs> I probably should have done this at the beginning of the series back in April. This whole series, the entire thing from beginning to end has been about our hearts. The whole thing has been about us being conformed to the image of Christ, our hearts being conformed to his image, us being who he wants us to be so that we can do what he wants us to do. It's not about behavior modification. It's about having a heart transplant. And that's what today's all about. We can't will ourselves to be better Christians, but we can submit ourselves to the one who can help us live out the life that he dreamed for us to live. But that's hard because it costs us something. We have to lay something down, but when we lay something down, guess what? The thing we pick up is even better. But it takes trust. 
trusting who God is, trusting in his plan and purposes for your life. When we do that, I promise it's worth it. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us so deeply and passionately that we can't even begin to understand it. God, I pray today, Lord, you would just minister in our hearts, that you would help us see truth, who you really are. And God, I pray that you would strip away, Lord, the desire for the easy, for the simple, for the for the having things the way we want it, God, I pray that we would be fully committed to following you and your lead and your voice wherever you lead us, whatever you want to do with our lives. God, I pray that we would be a, a people that would bear much fruit. But Lord, let it begin with us as individuals. Lord, let each of us individually begin to say, God, we, we choose you. We want you more than we want an easy life. We want you more than we want cultural Christianity. God, we want you. We want to know you. So Lord, minister in us and through us today. Let us really know you today. If you would, keep your head bowed and your eyes closed if you're here today. And maybe maybe you would say to me, I'm not a Christian. Maybe you'd say, I'm not a follower of Christ. I don't really have a relationship, but I want to. Maybe you've been in church before, but you have never really began and and fulfilled and carried on a walk with Christ. And you say, today, I want to do that. I want to know him. I want my life to be different. I want my, my spiritual home to be built on the rock. If that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward. And I don't want to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you where you're at in your seat. So if you're here today and you say, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know him and have a relationship with him. Would you just slip your hand up real high so I can see you? I just want to pray with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, a couple hands in the balcony down here on my left, on the floor, down here by the sound booth. Thank you. You can put your hands down after you raise them. Who else says that's me? Pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know him and really have a relationship with him today. All right. Thank you, Lord. Now I'd like every person in this place, if you can hear my voice, I want you to just say this really simple prayer after me. Whether you raised your hand or not, just repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I give my life to you. And I'm asking that you would use it for your glory. Take my life and use it to do something unbelievable. I'm never going back to my old ways, my old habits, or my old life. I am yours. I choose you. Thank you for choosing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can we give God a round of applause? Say thank you, Jesus, you are so good. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, if you raised your hand, you said, that's me. Um, I need to get some things right with God. There's a prayer card in the seat back in front of you. It looks just like this one on the back of that card. It just has some information. If you would fill this card out for us, you can drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. We just want to help you take the next step in your walk with Christ and help you grow and become a disciple. Um, So please fill that out. Let us know about your decisions so we can help you with that. Now, if you're here today and maybe you're a Christian, maybe you've been saved a long time, I'm going to ask everybody in the place one more time just to bow your head and close your eyes. But if you've been here, maybe you've been here a long time, maybe you've been serving Christ a long time, but you say today, Mel, the truth is, um, man, my house is not really built on the firm foundation of Jesus. I'm not living wisely. I'm living foolishly in some areas and I need to make some adjustments. I need the Holy Spirit to help me make some adjustments in my life. If that's you, would you just say that's me? Let's slip your hand up and let me pray for you. Yeah, a bunch of you all over the room. Awesome, awesome. God, I pray right now that you'd begin to speak 
into us, that Lord, we would hear what you have to say to us. But God, I pray that you'd give us the wisdom to apply the knowledge you've given us, God. I pray that as men and women of God, we would take what you speak to us and live it out, Lord. Let us be doers of the word and not just hearers also. So Lord, that we could live out and perform and do what you're asking us to do in this world. Lord, let us be who you're calling us to be so that we can do what you're calling us to do. Lord, I pray that we would be men and women of action. The Lord, we wouldn't wait for something to, to move, but Lord, we would step out boldly in faith when we hear your voice and do what you're calling us to do. Lord, let us not be satisfied with the world as the way it currently stands, but Lord, let us be world changers. Use us to impact our culture, impact our world, impact our workplaces, impact our families. God, I pray that you would help us be the change you wanna see in this world. Let us not be satisfied with being bystanders or spectators, but God, let us be intimately involved in the action you have planned for Indiana, for Indiana County, for this world. God, I thank you that you're a good God and we can trust you. And I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Continue this work throughout the week, God. Minister through us throughout this week. Use us for your glory and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.